0: Morning everybody. So, John had his list of 10 things. I'm not trying to up the ante, but I do have 11 things I want to tell you. About programming, about music and radio programming, which is my lifelong passion. About radio's future and taking control of radio's future and particularly How to move forward. How to move forward with the appropriate sense of urgency and deliberation. Because it's hard to feel that sense of urgency when things are good, and it's hard to be in control and move forward with deliberation when things are not. I've been connected with radio for not just my whole professional life, Uh, but for my whole life. My father uh, was head of public affairs for a radio group in the States when I was growing up in the 60s. He has a tape of me at age four saying that when I grow up, I want to be head of music for a radio station. So it was set in stone um, from that point on. My, like anybody who is lucky enough to have one career, one job in the American radio business, at the moment I have several. Um, I began as a journalist covering the radio industry and I still do that. I started at a presentation that only a few people in this room will remember, called Radio and Records. And When I was out of college uh, at age 20, I went and sat on their doorstep uh, for three months until they hired me. And fortunately it worked. My wife says, you're smart enough, someone would have hired you. Uh, And that's probably true, but I don't know who. I went from there to covering the business for Billboard magazine. I work now for Edison Research. Um, How many of you have heard of Edison? Edison um, does a number of well-known studies. They do one called The Infinite Dial. They do one called The Podcast Consumer. If you'd like to see any of their studies, Uh, they're available to everybody at edisonresearch.com. My job is primarily working with radio stations, helping them design their format through research, um, helping them refine their music libraries through research. I've come to learn in the US, in North America, um, maybe even in John's territory, uh, a little something about every radio station in every market and I continue to write a newsletter. Um, This is a newsletter called Ross on Radio. I've been writing it for the business for more than a decade. Uh, If you give me a business card or if you just go to my Twitter bio, Ross on radio, you can sign up for free, and then you will know me by my trail of spam. <laughs> um, I try to stay positive. My, I also like to praise in public and critique in private. Um, I tell people that I come in peace. I love radio. I love spreading positive stories about radio. Um, recently, I have come to feel a little bit urgent about radio. I think this is a turning point year of the 11 things that I want to tell you. The first, easy enough, radio is connection, something we can all agree on. Radio has been my professional community. Radio is a way to make friends, but radio is also connected. Uh, You see this when you cover format changes. One station changes format in a market, and then three or four other stations in the market end up changing format. In another market, someone may copy the station that changed format because they had to. Radio is chaos theory. Radio is connected. A lot of what I'm gonna talk about this morning is based on the landscape for radio and the fragmentation that has taken place in North America. Every country is different, every landscape is different. I'm gonna tell the story. I hope it will be engaging for 20 minutes. I will let you decide as to the relevance and I will let you decide how it plays out here. Uh, This is a room full of people with very different market circumstances, very different landscapes. Um, I'm still confident that some of it will resonate, and here's why. I've had this discussion in the U.S., I've had it in Canada, I've had it in Australia. You'll hear from Joan Warner of Commercial Radio Australia later this afternoon. Um, And it's a little different, it's pretty much... A little different, but it's very much the same, and it's what I heard a few years ago at the last place. Radio is healthy. Radio is doing great. Radio is not fragmented. Radio doesn't have the same competition it has in the U.S. We don't have the same broadband, so digital will never have the same infiltration that it has in the U.S. We will never have the cheap data. We will never have the infrastructure. Radio is vital and healthy. And then people tell me, but the kids don't listen. Radio is vital and healthy, but an 18 year old is not enamored of radio the way you and I were when we were 18. Radio is losing its hold on the younger audience. Um, would people say that's the case here? do eighteen-year-olds love his radio as much as we did? I don't think so. Um, The other thing I've seen is that the landscape only has to change a little bit to make a difference. We only have to lose a few listeners to other media. And never underestimate the power or the desire of people to find content. People will seek out content People will seek out entertainment. Is radio in a good place? Is radio in a bad place in the States? Yes, all of these things are true. 29% of Americans do not own a radio at home. They listen in the car, they listen on their phone, they listen in the office, perhaps, or maybe they listen to something else in the office. Uh, Are people in this room familiar with Pandora? Um, Maybe they listen to Pandora. Increasingly, um, they might be listening to Amazon music. 50% of 18 to 34s do not own a radio at home. When you go down to 18 to 34, up to age 34, it is half the audience that no longer owns an AM, FM radio at home. Radio has used to break music. Radio has not been number one for music discovery since the last Infinite Dial report. Uh, We didn't even ask the question this year because it was pretty obviously trending away from radio in terms of how people discovered new music. They discovered it from YouTube, they discover it from friends and family, uh, and third or fourth, they discover it these days from the radio. Here's something else concerning that I see. In America, the top format in almost every market now is an older skewing radio format. Maybe adult contemporary, possibly classic hits playing the music of the 70s and 80s, maybe classic rock. Um, This isn't because those formats are growing. NPR, um, our public radio, is also growing. This isn't because these formats are gaining listening time, it's because other formats are losing listening time, particularly youth-oriented formats like hip-hop or Top 40. And the shares of older skewing formats are going up, by default. On the other hand, this is a study that Edison Research does called Share of Ear. Someone said, what percent of listening is to radio? What percent of listening is to satellite radio? Sirius XM, how many people are familiar with satellite radio in America? Um, Sirius XM is basically a subscription digital tier. You pay for 150 channels, they include the big ones, like Top 40 and Hip Hop and Adult Contemporary. They also include 80s music and 60s music and 40s music and Broadway music. Um, they are getting about 8 to 10% of listening. Services like Pandora, um, Spotify are getting about 16 percent and people are using those services differently. Some of them use it to listen to radio. Some of them use it to listen to um, basically their own record collection. Uh, You'll find out that that doesn't really matter. Um, Point is, we're still at about 51 percent with radio, which is not bad. It's the biggest piece. People in the American broadcast industry like to talk about our reach. Every week we are listened to by 93% of the available audience. Uh, That used to be 93% of everybody 12 plus. Then listening among teenagers went down uh, and they changed that number to 18 plus. But 93% reach is still pretty good. There's a saying in radio, it's not, you're not in trouble until you lose the cume. As long as people are checking you out, you can still do something that surprises and delights them. It's when you lose their attention altogether that you're in trouble. So I feel pretty, I feel pretty concerned. I feel pretty good. and the interesting thing is I've been very busy working with a lot of great American broadcasters who refused to participate in any downturn earlier this year, or late last year I worked with the American broadcaster Entercom they bought the stations of CBS radio I helped launch three brand new major market radio stations in Dallas, in Chicago, in New York, within an hour of each other. Earlier this year, is everybody in this room old enough to remember the Spice Girls? Um, Earlier this year, I worked with a small market American broadcaster. Somehow uh, he finds money to have a full staff. He has five radio stations and he decided he wanted one of them to play 90s music, Will Smith, Spice Girls, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, um, P. Diddy. And the station in his little market has been phenomenally popular. He goes out for a beer on Friday night and strangers come up to him and thank him for this radio station. Uh, He has told me so many stories about people coming up to him in pubs to thank him for the radio station that I wonder if he spends any time at the radio station. (laughs) So, my million rand advice to you this morning is, play the Spice Girls. (laughs) (laughs) But, there there is some grain of truth in that, which is that everybody wants to hear the music from their childhood eventually it is time for that music to be back on the radio again. Radio does a lot of things right, here are a few of them. Um, Compared to Spotify, compared to Pandora, compared to (laughs) other places you might hear music. I think we program it better, we know more about it, we have years of research. I think we offer companionship, not just a bunch of songs in a row. I think we offer showmanship, the thing that makes people talk about our radio station every quarter and makes our radio station legendary. I think we offer sense of place. I think you should never be able to turn on the radio and feel like you're listening to radio from somewhere else. That is one of the things that will keep radio healthy long-term. The shared experience. Justin Timberlake, Can't Stop the Feeling, came out at 6 o'clock on Friday morning in the States, and by noon, everybody knew it, because every radio station had played it once an hour. That's the shared experience. Broadcasters are the best people to do these things, we just don't always do them. We get so busy. We get so overextended, we spend so much time copying each other that we lose our sense of place. We let Spotify playlists take the place of music discovery for some people. Nothing anybody else can offer is as good as good radio, but we don't always have the time and energy and resources to do good radio. In America, about 10 years ago, they stopped measuring radio with a diary, with a paper diary, and relying on people's recall. They began using a meter. Um, They had to depend on a relatively small number of meters. Um, Broadcasters began looking at the retention data from this relatively small number of meters, and they began trying to take everything off the air that they thought was a negative. These things weren't negatives, they were just being done badly. And when broadcasters got done taking all these things off the radio and making radio as austere as possible, we didn't sound that different from a Spotify playlist. We have things that we do that people love and we have to remember to do them. There's a debate that takes place in a lot of lecture halls around the world, uh, and I think it's a time waster. The real issue is not, what is radio? U.S. broadcasters spend four or five years arguing about whether to call Pandora radio, whether to call Spotify radio. It doesn't matter. People use them for some of the same things, and you can't listen to them both at once. Um, broadcasters in America can own five FM stations. Some of them want more. That's part of the discussion now in America. Maybe we could do even better if we had more stations. But radio will never have a monopoly again. Not if you own two stations, not if you own five stations, not if you own ten stations. The real issue, to me, is that people love radio too much uh, and want more of it. Um, They want more radio than we can give them, especially if we own two radio stations, even if we own five radio stations, even if we own ten radio stations. They love new music, they want more than the two songs a week that we can add to our competitive radio stations. They want specialist channels. They want music from the 80s, music from the 60s, music from the 40s, uh, a Broadway channel. Those might not make sense if you only have two radio stations in the market, Uh, but somebody should provide that because if we don't provide it, somebody will. People want choice. People sometimes just want to feel like they have a choice. They like the big hit songs, but they like feeling like they don't have to listen to them if they don't feel like it. Um, Pandora, uh, people program Pandora for themselves. Um, they can, uh, and yet they choose mostly to listen to the big hit songs. They choose to listen to Can't, Fight, Can't Stop the Feeling. They choose to listen to Billie Jean and When Doves Cry. But there's a skip button. It is the plausible deniability of choice, and it makes them feel like they are receiving a bigger choice than, than they get from broadcast radio. One of the things I have noticed, and I notice it all over the world, not just in the US, is that radio station formats are getting dragged closer to each other a lot of people are playing the same big hit records. If the top 40 station sounds like the adult contemporary station, sounds like the hot AC station, uh, if everybody is playing the same records 50 times a week, people feel like they have fewer choices uh, and there's less reason to keep listening to the radio. You come to the radio, you get the song that you came for You can do that on YouTube and be done in three minutes. Um, I think we ought need to offer a lot of choice and we need to offer one-stop shopping. Uh, We need to extend our offerings. How many people here work with podcasting in some form? Um, Podcasts have been an easy place for radio to expand. Uh, not enough of the big hit podcasts come from radio. That should change. We have the skills, uh, but the big, rate, but the podcast that was the category killer in America, Serial, did come from broadcasters. Um, podcasting is the easiest place for people to start because it's bite-sized. It's it's easy to for broadcasters relate to relate to. Uh, It can often be done with parts found around the house, Um, but we need to offer a lot more than podcasting. We need to offer one-stop shopping as the broadcast industry. Uh, The ideal scenario is all of radio and music on one platform. Your big mass appeal brands, your niche brands, um, podcasts, playlists, Listener's own music library. That's a very daunting thing to imagine uh, coming from one radio station. But consider this. Uh, A few years ago, there were people who would use their Apple iTunes to listen to podcasts, and then they would listen to music on Pandora uh, or Spotify, and they had pretty much found a way to work around radio entirely. Now, there are people who listen to Spotify for both playlists and for podcasts. They have found one-stop shopping and it doesn't involve us. That concerns me. The people who want something other than mass appeal radio are a relatively low percentage, but you feel them gone if they're not there. What percentage is it? Uh, Consider a story you're probably going to hear again from Joan Warner this afternoon. Australia has a viable DAB tier of hundreds of other radio stations. The UK has a viable digital tier. The US um, does not have a free digital tier. Um, It does, but it's not a big deal people subscribe to SiriusXM. And I think this is very interesting. Weekly, non-radio audio listening, listening to something like Spotify, uh, is 10% lower in Australia, and it's not because people aren't aware of their alternatives. Uh, It is because there is a viable digital tier. Um, Joan Warner will be here later today. She's next door speaking to the DAB track now. Um, I think we need to find a way to keep that 8 to 10 percent in the building because 8 percent happens to be what people, uh, happens to be the percentage that Sirius XM has in America. If we do not find a way to service it ourselves, we will lose about 8 to 10 percent of listening. That's not catastrophic, but it's not what we want. Is anybody here budgeted to make 10% less next year? Um, We need to find a way to hold on to that listening. Uh, And we need to find a way to hold on to the next generation of radio listeners. Everybody says we need more youth targeted formats. Uh, I agree with that, but I think getting the next generation of listeners is not just a matter of offering more youth targeted formats. Uh, I think it is targeting both mothers and daughters. Um, For the last 10 years, it was a really good time, especially in North America, but all around the world, for pop music. There was pop music that was loved by listeners of all ages, uh, and I think it buoyed radio up. I think it kept radio healthy. I think it particularly kept kept youth-oriented formats healthy, uh, because... Moms were putting on the radio as a way of bonding with their kids. So it didn't matter if a 16-year-old was distracted by something else. There was a 36-year-old, a 46-year-old turning on the radio for them. Um, I don't think we have as much of that now. And I I think it's partially because the music isn't as good now. How do people feel about pop music today? People think it's as good as it was a few years ago. I see heads shaking. Anybody think it's better than it was a few years ago? Radio sometimes is not proactive enough about music. If you're not happy with the music available to your radio station, look for it and find your own. Take control of the music. Sometimes when there aren't as many good hits, the response is to play more recurrents, to play more gold, to hold on to songs longer. If the current songs are mediocre, playing them longer is not the solution. Uh, you have to find more. We don't really have the mindset in radio now that we had 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, where people were encouraged to go looking for music. It used to be that a new superstar album came in. The new Drake, able, the new Drake album came in and everybody went through and found another three or four songs to play. Uh, they didn't play. They didn't wait for the record company. I don't think people are as encouraged to find music and yet music is your number one product. Take control of the music. Um, don't just play what the record labels give you. Record labels are increasingly making their money off of streaming and the kind of song that works on streaming is not always the kind of song that works on the radio. Terms, take control of your station in general. There is not just one right way to do things. I'm a researcher. I come in with facts. Often people want the researcher to have all the answers. Just tell me what to do. I just want to keep my job. Just keep my job. just tell me what to do. Uh, and yet, I sometimes frustrate people, because I like to play out the chessboard with them. I like to play out all the scenarios. Um, this is a very didactic industry. There's a lot of copying. There's a lot of standardization. Everybody did prank phone calls, wind-up calls. Now there's a feature in America that everybody has to do called second date update. Does anybody do that here yet? Um, Every morning show in America now feels the need to do second date update, and it's basically a variant on the prank phone call. Uh, And it's also actors. Someone, they put on a caller, they talk about the second date they had with somebody, then they get the other person on the line to find out why it didn't go better. Um, And you'll hear it on two or three stations at the same time. Uh, A year ago, everybody did celebrity news every morning. Then people decided there wasn't the same appetite for celebrity news. So now everybody does a topic at 7.20 called five trending things, you know, five things that are trending. Radio, radio is not conceived in original sin. Radio is sometimes conceived in derivative sin. Um, Radio needs your originality, particularly now. Let's talk about the user experience. Radio, at its best, has always been experiential. Radio has always been a community. Radio has always been a shared experience. Radio has always done things for listeners, like charity drives, like big concerts that listeners cannot do for themselves. Uh, There is one basic aspect of the radio experience that we need to pay some attention to now. Uh, and it's one where I know South Africa is very much like the US, and it's spot load. Spot load in America? Sorry, um, I'm, I'm pushing I'm going to have to interject there. Could you perhaps succinctly um, put together maybe the salient points of your presentation, and perhaps you could uh, maybe mail the rest of your presentation? We're wrapping. Okay. Um, spot load. People will never consider. 13 minutes an hour to be a fair trade for, for entertainment again, because they're getting three or four commercials somewhere else. User interface. Radio used to be easy to use. Radio, radio is getting complicated. I don't know about car radios here in America. They've become very complicated. Radios are being designed by people who do not have radio's best interests in mind. Radio is being designed by people who entertain like engineers. Does anybody recognize this? This is, the, this is the Coca-Cola machine that you find at fast food restaurants in the US, and it does a great job, I think, of organizing hundreds of choices. You select Coca-Cola, you can have 12 different flavors of Coca-Cola, maybe you'd rather have sprite you can have twelve different flavors of sprite this is who we have to be and it has to be organized in a way that's visually appealing besides user experience we also have user interface user interface has become complicated and it is going how many people have seen one of these up close this is the smart speaker. Um, in America, 18% of households now have a smart speaker. That number is more than double what it was in America a year ago. Um, it, people are adopting them faster than smartphones. Um, Sorry, Sean, you're going to have to unfortunately hold your presentation. I apologize for that. Um, I think for the benefit of the audience, you could perhaps. Um, send a mail, perhaps you could send your um, business cards, send send them his way, and you could perhaps send a communique your way, please. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. We have to move to the next speaker. I I profusely apologize. (laughs) I really do. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, See the last three slides tomorrow afternoon and more. Okay, let's be generous. Let's do that. Okay, cool. All right. What's missing here? And that's because, point number eleven, there is no unity without you. Um, broadcasters are trained to be competitive. I know in South Africa, broadcasters are particularly competitive. Rival groups don't get along with each other. Rival groups are very competitive with the SABC. Um, The issues that radio faces are only going to be dealt with on a larger level. Broadcasters are not each other's competition. Everybody is radio's competition. These are my issues. These are the things I've identified. I hope they resonate with you. I think the needs and desires of people when it comes to radio are global. I think the solutions for them will be local. Um, I hope you go out of this room and anything that resonates with you is a cautionary tale. Um, you determine determined to say, not on my watch. And that, when, you know, and that the next time we meet radio remains strong and vibrant here. And now, thank you for your time and attention. (laughs) And for one more slide.